crazy. Hi, this is Serendipity Soup. It's a podcast about serendipity, funnily enough. It's about success, failure, hard work and pure dumb luck. But it's not a podcast about celebrities or Silicon Valley billionaires because, frankly, they're not normal. So this isn't about taking lessons from thinly disguised humble brags. Instead, it's a community of ordinary people with something interesting to say about how their life has turned out. If that sounds like you, get in touch. You can email me using soupofserendipity, or one word, at gmail.com. There might be happy endings, or there might not, because life isn't a story. It's much more complicated and wonderful than that. So, wherever you are in the world, and wherever you are in your life, I hope you'll find something useful to take away from these conversations. Hello, and welcome to Serendipity Soup, the antidote to celebrity success podcasts. My name's Matt Georges, and this month it's a very special episode because, although I haven't completely decided yet, I think this is probably going to be the last one. It's possible I'll take a break and come back with a second series, but right now that's not the plan, so how to round off the Serendipity Soup story neatly? Well, I floated this idea of ending the podcast at the end of the previous episode, And to my surprise, some of you actually listened right to the end because I had some really nice messages, so thank you for those. Several of you suggested the idea of me giving my story as the final episode, so I asked my editor Anna if she would interview me, and she agreed. In these introductions, I normally try to pick out a key theme to sort of summarise what you're about to hear, and I think in this case there are probably two. The first is the idea of having respect for the stories that people tell me and how difficult it is to make sure that I do justice to something that's so personal. It's shown me what a skill really good quality journalism is. Second, I think the podcast itself really rather neatly sums up the very idea I've been wrestling with, which is, of course, what is success? I recently read something about Dick Fold, the disgraced head of Lehman Brothers. Uh, You might remember that's the bank whose collapse nearly took down the entire global financial system in 2008. And the anecdote I read was that he once publicly shredded the tie of the second best trader in the bank, saying essentially that second placed his first loser. This, in my view, is the key message of the celebrity success industry. So in podcast audience terms, I should probably have my entire suit, socks, pants, and probably my house as well shredded. After all, if a podcast can only be deemed a success when it has the highest listener numbers, then everyone other than Joe Rogan might as well just pack up and go home. Obviously they don't, which shows there's more to it than that. And so I talk a fair bit with Anna about how successful, or otherwise, I think Serendipity Soup has been. Right, no housekeeping for this final episode. I managed to keep it clean, and there's no particularly heavy topics that I think I need to warn you about up front. So, with that, I think we're ready to go. Time for a final taste of Serendipity Soup. Back in 2021, I got a message out of the blue from you. And you asked me to be on this new podcast that you were setting up. And you explained it to me a little bit as if you'd seen this SAS guy come into your work and explain his version of the inspirational speech of, you know, he's in the top 5% and his dreams and inspiration and aspirations and hard work had got him to the place he had. And your question to him was, well, what happened to the other 95%? Because they'd evidently worked just as hard they'd had the same dreams and inspirations and the guy couldn't answer you and that was actually what got me hooked into being your guest on the first podcast that you did so 
I kind of want to know now, looking back on that time, like was there more behind that? What what was the motivation for you to start your podcast? Was that the was that the sparking point that started off the idea of a podcast? Because to go from that talk to I'll start a podcast is is there's you know there's stuff in between that, isn't there? Yeah, I guess there was. I think there was two things going on. One is a kind of more personal thing. So when when they when they talk about people who are extremists and radicals they always talk about people who study though the mindset of people like that talk about the personal and the political so it, it, these two things need to coincide to cause action in this case quite damaging action but hopefully in the case of the podcast less damaging action and so the personal for me was that i was in my own kind of what would you call it i suppose a period of doubt and transition i wasn't really happy where i was working but i didn't really see a way out of it i wasn't really sure what i wanted from work or maybe even from life in general and i just had this sense that i could really do with first of all finding an outlet for that frustration but also a positive outlet and the idea being that that positive outlet would be to learn from other people who had been in situations where maybe they hadn't done quite so well, where maybe the success wasn't this kind of, you know, Hollywood narrative of the kind of the moonshot that works and and that it was something a bit more that I could relate to in my own life. So that was the personal side. The political side, I suppose, is that it feels at the moment that a lot of people are making the wrong decisions in, in leadership around the world right now, certainly from my point of view anyway. And that a lot of that seems to be driven by this sense, in my mind, this misplaced sense of what it is to be great, to be successful. And again, I wanted to almost reassure myself that there were other people, a bit more normal people out there who didn't agree with that as a ideology, as a filter for looking at the world. So it was very much a, I suppose, very self-centred in some ways, that it was really, I wanted to learn from people who'd been through the mill a bit, but come out the other side, but learned in a way that, that wasn't that wasn't this this awful kind of, and I have to say it's quite an American, this idea of the American dream, the Hollywood narrative, where you, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you keep going and you are just become this, you become the best. And I hate that narrative. So I wanted to reassure myself that I wasn't the only one who felt like this. It seems a bit insane, the idea that you would make an entire podcast to do that. But I guess at the time, 2021, we were in the middle of lockdown. I was certainly in the UK anyway. I was going a bit mental. I was scratching the walls, you know. And so it felt like a really good outlet for that energy that would hopefully be quite a positive outlet rather than doom scrolling and grumbling and carping on social media I thought maybe this could be a bit more positive yeah absolutely back in 2021 was we were all inside and you were saying there that you were looking to see if others felt the same in the process of doing the podcast do you think you found that do you think you found other people who were thinking the same who had the same mentality of the of the worldview of they were tired of celebrities, they were tired of this narrative. What were your discoveries in talking to people and their own narratives? Well, so as you know, I have a kind of scientific background. So I would 
caution here that this is a, a very biased sample of the population. So this bigger sample of people, most of them, you know, they're, they're people I know, or they're people I've met through LinkedIn, mostly. So so they're going to share my to an extent, my worldview, to an extent. But yeah, I mean, pretty much everybody, you know, and listeners will be able to judge for themselves. But I would say pretty much everyone I interview didn't accept that narrative at all. They got the idea of working hard and kind of trying to push yourself forward and so on. But they definitely didn't accept the idea that you just had this one fixed point that you aimed for. They they instead, yeah, they seem to share it. I, they seem to share my point of view anyway, which, as I say, that might be just because they're friends or friends of friends or friends of friends of friends. And there's an element of that in there. But it was refreshing and it was encouraging and reassuring that there were people from very different walks of life relatively different walks of life, who all coalesced around that same idea. I'll tell you what it is, actually. It's an idea of sufficiency, that maybe you don't need to just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, that sometimes enough is enough, and to kind of calm yourself and look around and be grateful for what you've got and accept that actually that is success where you are right now. That was very reassuring, I found. So this was your very first time of doing a podcast, and straight out the gate, you're tackling something that's really profound. Talk me through what's the journey felt like and been like for you. It's been an extremely interesting journey and a very steep learning curve, I would say. So starting point is, I mean, and I suppose I look back at, with some embarrassment at my naivety. That that. So the, the reason I say that is because actually... There's a huge difference between talking to people, which I enjoy doing and do way too much of, and committing that story to tape, in inverted commas, to constructing it as a narrative, to essentially being a journalist. That's the issue, is that there's this naivety, you know, I'm quite good at writing, for example. So I think, oh, I could, you know, I could be a journalist. I'm quite easy to speak to and I, I, I can work up a, a narrative. I could be a journalist. And, it, and it's difficult. It's really hard. And it's a bit like people who say, uh, people who go down to the, the local comedy store and they see a really good act and they go, you know what, I reckon I could give that a crack. Like, you know, it's not that hard. And you just think, oh my God, you've got no idea, you know. Or somebody who watches, football's my thing, so somebody who watches the England team go, oh, I could do a better job than that. And you think these guys are off the scale good. And what I've started to realise, or what I realised actually very quickly, was that really good journalism, and I'm not talking the awful kind of gutter tabloid stuff, really good journalism is so difficult. So learning curve is that journalism itself is difficult. But at the same time, Julian, who I did the book review episode with, He's an ex-BBC journalist, and he loves podcasting, and he talks about it as, as very punk. The idea that if you, you were in the Sex Pistols in 1976, you, had, you could learn three chords on a guitar, and, and off you went. And he sees podcasting as that same spirit. you know. And, and so I suppose I feel reassured to some extent by that, that maybe you don't need to be as good as professional journalists to still get a story out there that is good quality and 
but technically well put together. I'm kind of torn between the idea that maybe I should almost never have done this, that I that, that, I, that I was too naive to do it, and, and between the idea that maybe everybody should give it a go. I'm not sure. I think in the beginning when you said, you know, you're naive and you're almost embarrassed, I, I think most people starting out doing something new or different will have exactly the same feelings irrespective of what it is mm. and as you said it's a learning curve you had never done it before and you just started so there's a lot to learn and your learning curve at the very beginning is always going to be sharper right because you're learning mm. new things but I think that that's to your credit that you started something new it was completely out of your wheelhouse it isn't necessarily what you were doing for a living or are doing for a living and obviously you learn a lot of valuable skills along the way I, I'd be interested to learn what those things were though from your side what are the things that you're going to take away from this experience what are the things that you think will always stay with you well I suppose there's two sides to it there's the technical side so I now know how to record something online which is not as easy as it sounds so I've learned some technical stuff which has been a lot of fun I've learned how to edit audio clips as well and things like that which is always really useful but I think the the more the deeper stuff for me is I guess I've learned I, I, I tell you what it is is I've learned a huge amount of respect for other people's narratives other people's stories it's not like looking through a piece of glass it, it, to, to the story on the other side that when we talk about the media so what is the media a medium is something through which something else travels it's a really interesting view into the responsibility that the journalist or the historian let's say or the writer whoever it might be has towards their subject to tell the story because a story, and this is something I've always loved about stories, is and it is they're incredibly efficient means of getting information across. And so you, to think about, and it's very difficult as you're recording something, to think about how what somebody has just said might be perceived by somebody outside that conversation and maybe to gently suggest another way of phrasing something or a different framing of it. It's an absolute art form, and I tell you what, it's, it's my, to my surprise, it's inc really increased my respect for journalism, good quality journalism. And it, on on the other side, it, it has deepened my hatred for for tabloid journalists who very explicitly go against that unwritten rule. You know, they very explicitly misrepresent people's stories and abuse their power to do so i hadn't realized you know i i certainly felt a and i know you feel it as well anna although you're you're much more professional than i am in this that you have a real responsibility for that person towards that person because they have they've opened themselves up to you and they've given you their story like a, a precious thing that they've handed over to you, you know, like a plant or a child or something that needs to be nurtured and looked after. And so the idea that you would deliberately abuse that trust is disgraceful. So uh, there, there's two sides to it, as I say. I th and I think that's what I've learned most is, is, is the need to be respectful of other people's stories, even when maybe they don't 
agree with how you think the world looks. So yeah, it's it's been really interesting from that point of view and not something I thought I would get out of it. Do you think that you have gotten from it what you needed to get from it in the beginning? Yeah, I think I have actually. There's a couple of guests who've said that recording the episodes with with me felt like a therapy session for them, which is, you know, not what I intended at all. But as far as I can tell, that was a positive thing. And that's fine. And what I would say to them is, it's more the reverse. It's a therapy session for me. And so maybe that's it. Maybe the kind of fire and anger that that drove it to begin with this, this, just this irritation with this, you know, we discussed earlier on this American dream narrative that really disturbs me and is is very problematic in so many ways. I think maybe maybe speaking to so many people who who agree with that point of view or you know come at it from a different angle, maybe has kind of taken the sting out of it for me. So yeah, I think maybe the podcast has done what, in a very selfish way, it needed to do for me, which was to to help me through that that kind of thought process about how to behave in the world you know so would you say that the podcast you use the word success a lot would you say (laughs) that it's been successful has has it measured up to what you needed um or wanted it to be so this is yeah that's a good question and in a way it has and in a way it hasn't And, and and i think i'm still i'm still prey to this this desire for more, whether that is more in material terms or more in status terms, it's still an issue. I could tell you roughly how many people listen to each episode. Um, and I feel like I should, you know, it's anywhere between about 80 and 100 people listen to each episode. And I'm, so, I'm, I'm embarrassed by that. I feel like it's a tiny number. But that's because I'm comparing myself to the podcasts I listen to. So the podcasts I listen to are people like the Adam Buxton podcast, Wolf and Owl with Ramashankar Nathan. You know, these these are people who have, certainly in the UK and to some extent globally, already have a huge presence. They are talented performers, content providers, whatever you want to call them. And their listenership will be in the hundreds of thousands, maybe even in the millions, you know. But... And so I, I suppose part of me was hoping that that would happen, that, that so, so even, even as I railed against this American dream idea, I was hoping it would happen to me. It's so insidious. It's there. And, you know, I was hoping that somehow it would, somebody somewhere would pick up on it and go, this is incredible. This stuff is groundbreaking. And the next thing I know, there'd be, phone calls from advertisers, or oh, do you want to do that? You know, and suddenly it would just be, and it would shoot up. And of course it never did, because for 99.9% of us, that's what happens. But they're not the people we hear from. So in a way, Serendipity Soup exemplifies, the, what happens to the podcast exemplifies the exact thing I was talking about which is that if I was to measure success by the people who were extremely successful, I think, was it Joe Rogan? You know, I think he has like 200-odd million listeners to his podcast. The point being that that's, 
if you're not careful, that that's the measure of success. And of course, the difficulty there is, let's say I don't measure myself with Joe Rogan. Let's say I go with, say, Adam Buxton. And I haven't checked what his listenership stats are. But there was a brilliant episode where he, he was doing an interview or a conversation with, with Joe Cornish, so his longtime collaborator. And Joe Cornish very mischievously had recorded an interview that Adam Buxton had done with, I forget the name of the, the interviewer now, somebody on BBC Radio. And this guy had said to Adam Buxton, he was like, wow, he said, you're the, the 49th biggest podcast in the world. And he was like, that's incredible, right? And <laughs> Joe Cordish has made, made the point, he said, I could tell when you answered that, Adam, that you didn't think being the 49th <laughs> biggest podcast in the world was much to, to, to crow about. And Adam Buxton was kind of, he held his hands up and he said, he was like, well, yeah, I mean, what, what does it mean? 49th biggest, it's nothing. But of course it is, you know, that, that's insane. And so even if I was to compare myself to someone like Adam Buxton, it's still a million miles away from where I get to. And yet he is then looking at the people above him and going, oh, well, I can't, I wish I could get to that. And so where do you stop? You know, where, where, when is enough enough? And and so I'm still struggling with that, if I'm honest with you. I feel like I almost, where's my rags to riches? Rags to riches is an absolute toss, of course, because I've had a very privileged upbringing. But in podcast listenership terms, where's my rags to riches story? And there isn't one. And for most people, there is no rags to riches story. There's just hard work and, and trying hard and doing okay. And that is should be enough but I'm still kind of wrestling with the fact that maybe I feel like it isn't. So is the podcast successful? The idea that 80 to 100 people, they can't all be my friends and my mum, right? So people that people regularly listen to something that I produce is is amazing, actually. And I, I need to remind myself of that. Um, the amount, I, I tell, you know, the, just the fact that you and I got back together again, you know, we hadn't seen or heard from each other for 20 years. And the podcast gave us a chance to speak and and kind of renew those connections. And it's been the same with a number of other people as well who I, who I interviewed. Or new people that I'd never met before who I'm now in touch with, you know. And I can, so loads of human connections that I would never have had otherwise. Loads of skills. We've talked about that already. Loads of skills that I've brought together. So, yeah. So I, I think I tell myself... Mentally, logically, I tell myself, yes, this has been a success. But I'll be honest, underneath, I think it never blew up, did it? It never went for, it was never 10,000, 100,000 listeners. I've got to get out of that mindset. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a secret. I've worked with a lot of people and I would say podcasting, when you start out, if you don't already have an enormous following, it's unlikely that you're going to blow up straight away. It's not impossible, but it's unlikely. But that doesn't mean that you wouldn't if it carried on for, you know, years and years. Your listenership and your following increases over years. So whilst the podcast is out there now, given another two, three years, you'll be surprised at the listenership that you get even after that time, because after all, what goes on the internet stays on the internet, right? And it goes back to how you were talking about the care that you have of telling people stories, because once it's out there, it does, it stays on the internet. And you you spoke 
to other people's stories and the care and attention that you spend crafting those stories and making sure that you're honoring people's stories and your disgust at the media that I think probably has driven you a little bit to be so careful as well. So let me turn you away from the technical and more towards the people that you've actually interviewed um, and their stories. What do you think has been your biggest takeaways from their stories? What are the things that have really resonated with you? Well, each each episode, I try and pick out the main thing from the discussion that I had with somebody that, that really resonated with me. Um, from every single story, what's the big thing I've come across? I guess it's the sense of cheerful resilience that so many of them show. And it's the idea that there's nothing wrong with having an aim, having a focus, but that you should see that more. And this was something I, there's a really good book called Discovering Your True North, I think it is, by a guy called Bill George. It, I, I might have got the title wrong, but it's that idea. And he uses the analogy of a compass. So if you're aiming a compass at a certain point, if you're your true north, the idea is that you'd never actually really reach it. You you just use the compass to aim at that true north, or say the north star. You never reach the star itself, do you? You you travel towards it, and the idea is to use the compass to make sure that you don't go too far off track uh, in some way. And I think that was the big message I got from listening to people. Well, the message I took away, I'm sure other listeners will have taken other messages away. But for me, it was the idea that if you're in a particular job, and obviously my podcast is very much work-related, despite the fact it heads off into other territory around how you live your life and mental health and so on. If you are in a job, you should always check your compass every so often and make sure that the job is still keeping you on track for wherever it is that you want to go. It's also worth double-checking, you know, giving the compass a tap, thinking, taking some time out and having a think about what your values actually are and what you want to do with your life and where you want to go. And then, you know, I suppose Camilla's episode really struck in my mind. It's just having the courage to change it, to say, actually, nope, this isn't doing it for me. I'm going to change. Now, I know that's quite a privileged position to say, you know, you think well i haven't especially now you know in the uk with the cost of living crisis it's all very well to say oh well you you know if you don't like your job change it sometimes you can't i accept that but there's definitely a thing that says well maybe you can't change it right now but if you're aware maybe you can start to build something maybe you can start to look around or whatever and then the second element of that is well what if it doesn't work and again every time these people come out to me saying don't worry about it the fact that it didn't work out isn't necessarily a problem, provided you're still on that path. You know, if you've still learned something, so thinking about serendipity soup, it's in line with my values. It hasn't worked out in one sense because I haven't been able to continue with it. And you saying that actually maybe if I continued a bit longer, the, the listenership would go up. You got me thinking. I'm like, no, do not go down that route. No, because because there's too much other stuff in my life right now. And and I am um, I you know it, it, it takes time away from other things not least my children but my wife all sorts of stuff so I'm just like right okay but I've got so much back from it that that I've learned that will be useful in future and I'm really proud of it too so it, it's a part of me now it's a part of my story and it's a, a part that I'm happy with so 
so yeah that idea of just checking your compass every so often and just making sure that even though the road isn't a beautiful hollywood moonshot arc it might be a bit kind of bumpy and might go backwards sometimes and up and down provided you're roughly on the right track you're doing all right so i guess it's relaxed me in that sense it's made me feel a bit less uh hectic about things just constant like oh, i've got to get it right got to get it right everybody i've spoken to they've just been like don't worry just take the temperature down a bit it's been nice well i love how this has come full circle i love that you interviewed me and now i have the honor of having interviewed you for one of your last <laughs> episodes and whilst i'm sure you say it's the last one i think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be sad that this is so we'll not say it's a last we'll just say perhaps tata for now and leave the door open because you never know what the future will bring or how this will feel in in the future to you that's a good point that's a good point anna thank you <laughs> but i feel like this has been an an honor to be part of and i'm honestly i've loved hearing the stories that you've had the ability to tell and hearing other people's life stories has been truly amazing, seeing their arcs of their life and for us to get a glimpse of the arc of yours has been really lovely. So thank you very much. And I can't wait to see what you go on to next. Thank you, Anna. I, I really appreciate you doing this, actually. It feels incredibly self-indulgent to be to start a podcast that, finishes or maybe pauses we don't know with basically me being interviewed on it but um i think i think the key thing is as you say that there's there's a there's an arc there and and that the, the, the podcast itself funnily enough is is part of that arc so uh, yeah really appreciate your time and uh, i should say as well thank you for all your support which people who listen to the podcast will will not know about they'll think you know, I say, oh, thank you to my editor, Anna. And sometimes I'll say, oh, she had a bit of trouble with this because I got the, the microphone roll or whatever. But actually, it's much, 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 much more than that. You, you've The guidance you've given me on some of the trickier episodes, I don't know what I'd have done without you. And I'm not talking technical guidance. I'm talking moral guidance there on, on how, you, how you do this right. Not technically right, but but morally right. I, I couldn't have done it without you. So thank you so much. No, you're very welcome. And I'm sure that you would have managed just fine. And in you, I have the ability of editing all of this out too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could do, but I think it would be a shame if you did. I'll be honest. Thank you, Matt. Well, there you have it. I'm glad Anna didn't edit out my thanks to her. She really has been incredible in supporting my efforts on this podcast. So huge appreciation goes out to her for her work on this and, of course, all the other episodes. Thanks also as ever to Julian Holmes for his awesome cover artwork, to Acast for hosting the podcast, and to all my guests, without whom there would have been no podcast at all. Who knows, there might be more servings of serendipity soup to come, but if not, Many, many thanks to all of you for listening and for getting in touch to say how much you enjoyed the podcast. I really appreciate your support. Take care, and I wish you every success in the future, whatever success means to you. <laughs>